0: Hey friends, welcome to Recovering with Danny. I'm your host, Danielle Van Kay, and this podcast is all about eating disorder recovery, being a single 30-something, navigating the dating scene, and going through, you know, an existential crisis or two. My goal as an eating disorder recovery coach is to help you start living the life you have always dreamt of. Welcome to the show. Hello everyone welcome to another episode. I'm sorry for the delay. Um, my life has been insanely busy. Um, and I know that's not necessarily a good thing because I don't believe in hustle culture. I um, I've mentioned this so many times and I think hustle culture is extremely toxic yet I always fall into the same trap. And I feel like I'm I'm a broken record. But having said that, it's also very hard in my business model, basically, to plan. It's really damn hard. And it's not an excuse, but basically, when someone applies for coaching, you have an intake and then you decide what you're going to offer them or what you're going to be able to offer them. And it's kind of like a puzzle because you know you never know when someone says I um, wanna go to a smaller program or I want to go to a higher program or I've had for instance old former clients who said, you know what, I think I just want to get this boot. I do want to I want to do the boot camp. I want to have something super intensive. So it's always shifting and changing. And I shift and change with them. So it's yeah. It's, I, am, I am swamped with work currently. But the good news is that I've been feeling really well. Knock on wood. I'm really knocking on wood now because I'm that superstitious. Um, so I felt uh, I've been feeling quite good. And that's, that's a good thing, right? I mean, I've, I feel like I'm always complaining. So we also have to celebrate the small wins, which is not having those awful, insane back to back to back to back to back. Back back and back and back and back and back pain attacks. Um, so yeah, no, it's um it's been really, really intense, really busy. Next week will be the last week of um for two boot compliance. Then I'll continue with one of them uh, for another week and then we'll do the last two rounds of the boot camp and then in March. That will be the end of uh, the recovery bootcamp. There's still, as I don't know if you're listening listening to this, if there's still one spot open. But when I'm, I'm recording this on a Thursday and there's still one spot open for the recovery bootcamp in March. So if you're interested in that, sign up. It's going to be the last final recovery bootcamp um, round for, I mean, at least I think a year because I uh, even though I love doing this and it, it was my pride and joy, I am ready for a change. So yeah, make sure that you really sign do sign up if you're interested in this in some higher level of care because that's what it is. We talk every single day. All right, so I'm not gonna leave you longer um, or waiting for longer because I my God. So recently I did a QA on my stories and I've said this previously again as well in my other episode. That I will do a proper Q&A. Um, but that's going to be more than 30 minutes. And considering my VA. Because I'm not doing shit when it comes to the podcast. I'm not doing editing all of that. She is sick. And I don't want her to edit anything. So if I do an hour. I have to copy paste and edit and blah blah blah. A long story. I don't want her to do admin right now. I heard I want her to rest. And so I can upload this. Um, um, this episode right now without any hustle and, and without any fuss speaking about hustle culture. See, I'm circling back to the beginning. Look at me. So I thought, because this was one of the main questions as well, that I got pretty frequent and I was surprised by that. So many of you asked me about my story and what my journey was about. So I thought let's do that and let's see if I can keep it under a 30. Well now it's going to be 25 minutes because we can go over that. Um so let's start with the beginning. So I had a disordered relationship with food and my body at age 15 coming from a very orthorexic household as well. So my mom used to always cook in a very macrobiotic, goopy, grinded palthro way. I was banned from sugar. I couldn't, could not eat all those things. Uh, It was also due to my dad being on a certain diet. So I already grew up with a moral value when it came to food. You know, sugar was bad, processed foods were bad. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I grew up. So the moment I went hang, well, when I hung out with my friends, guess what happened? I binged on bags of crisps, uh, cookies, you name it. Those parents were shocked when they saw me eating and my friends as well. They said, why, my God, are you getting, are you starving yourself? And I wasn't, but I was, I was in a huge, Delicious deficit, not even in an energy deficit, because I don't think I was in an energy deficit. I was in a delicious deficit, in a cookie deficit, in a crisp deficit, in a whipped cream deficit, in a chocolate deficit. So when I was hanging out with my friends, I just made sure that I, I inhaled everything inside. And I think that's the root of where everything just transpired and got worse and worse and worse. Um I also grew up in a very tumultuous um, household with a lot of fighting, being an only child in between fighting parents was awful, but I would never blame them for, for me developing an eating disorder. I mean, I have, um, I have a genetic predisposition and if I wouldn't have had that predisposition, I would have never developed an eating disorder. That's the difference between people who come from traumatic childhoods as well. Uh, who develop an eating disorder versus people who just develop I don't know an alcohol uh, or a substance addiction or something else or nothing for for that matter because some some people have had an insane um, you know insane experiences in their life is insane trauma and they never really develop a harmful and destructive coping mechanisms. so it's all about that genetic predisposition if you have it you will develop it regardless of what's going on in your life so yeah so that's that's basically what happened so fast forward um age i would say well between 16 and 18 is where shit hit the fan basically i grew up very fast i i mean i had curves at age I would even say 13 because I got my period very early on I was just basically a a grown full full grown woman at age 16 and um, yeah so I got a lot of remarks around me saying wow you've really gained a lot of weight haven't you and And my mom was also very thin and I always wanted to be like her. So a lot of experiences led me to starting a diet that my dad actually started as well. And I've been interviewed by the by the way, by the by the Daily Mail and everything is explained in the Daily Mail article, but I have not shared it well in the last few years, because even though I'm very proud of being featured in the Daily Mail, it is a very triggering um article because they use a lot of pictures that are you know me at my lowest weight and i a- asked them to not use them and it, yet they still did um so yeah i am i'm not sharing that i mean you can still search for it um but I would I would honestly, trigger warning, I would highly recommend not doing that. Um, because like I said, prior to um, recording this episode, I said it to my previous episode that weight is not an indicator of your mental state. So I had just as severe of an eating disorder at age 16, but I was at a quote unquote healthy weight. I, I according to, well, actually I was overweight. So, you know, it doesn't say anything. It doesn't say anything. So keep that in mind. But at age 18, it was really bad. My eating disorder was out of control, but I had no idea. I'm now, also keep in mind, I'm now 32. So this is a long time ago. It was really out of control, but I was in extreme, extreme denial. I thought I was doing the right thing. I was exercising a lot, eating less and less and less. I was losing weight. And, um, I got a high out of it. I, I really thought, whoo, this is a feeling I never experienced before. I just, I couldn't stop. That was basically it. I couldn't stop. And I remember stepping on the scale and seeing the number drop and rationally I knew, okay, this is not healthy anymore. This is even not safe anymore. And yet I still kept going. Now that, that is literally the definition of an eating eating disorder. Rationally knowing you're being self-destructive and then still keep keep doing the same destructive thing over and over again. So I went to a psychologist or my mom sent me to one actually. And um, that psychologist said, oh, can I have your weight and your height and all of that jazz? So she got, got this, I don't know, she took out this BMI chart thingy. And um, she said, Oh, you are underweight, and everything. I, I I gotta say, I give her props for for one thing because she said the following. She said, "Everything you say right now seems like you have an eating disorder, but I am not specialized in eating disorders. I'm not well versed, so I will send you to someone else." So that's that's really good for her because I I you know I hate when people say they are specialized and they are actually not. Um, so yeah, so she sent me to someone else and then basically I, I went into treatments in treatments and treatments. It was, I can only recall being in treatments. It was really... Um, it was really a lot. I was just in eating disorder clinics and eating disorder units, whatever you want to call them all the freaking time I went in and I would, I, I got out. I was, I went in and then I was discharged and I got out and constantly I relapsed and I relapsed and I relapsed. And that was because they only focused on my weight. They only focused on me following a meal plan, gaining weight. And that was it. There was no, Questions asked when it came about the fear of gain weight gain or my moral values, about my limiting beliefs, about my mental hunger, physical hunger, those things were not discussed. And I, I think a lot of people don't even well, they didn't even knew that it was a thing. So I I was it was not helping me. And then I, I one time I also was hospitalized, um, voluntarily though, because I, I really thought, okay, well this is not going anywhere. So let's try that. Didn't help either. And, um, and I kind of gave up. I was, I really gave up. So also for about two years in the meantime, I, um, this is like literally not even a side note, but this is all happening at the same time. So at age 21, I started uh, to go to university and and I um, studied nutrition and dietetics for about a year. And within that year, I got super sick and I didn't know what was going on. And this was when I was doing way better with my eating disorder. I I think that was the only year where I could say I was stable. I was really doing well. but not as well in hindsight but back then i thought oh i'm pretty much recovered which i wasn't but fine okay so i was studying i was actually having kind of a cool student life at, back in the days I, I was partying with some friends i was studying quite hard um, i went to school you know it was really I, I enjoyed myself a lot but i i was just getting sick within a year i was wheelchair bound i couldn't move anymore i my muscles were extremely painful I was super brain foggy I was exhausted to I mean beyond exhausted I can't even explain how exhausted I was and I mean it was terrifying can you imagine that you are wheelchair bound within a year, bed bound within a year and no one knows what's going on so I got all these diagnoses: chronic fatigue syndrome um, MME MS, all these things that were misdiagnoses And I was, I was, I mean, frustrated beyond, and I didn't have control over my body. So guess what, what I did, I took control over the only thing I knew, and that was food, aka restriction, and suppressing my body weight. So I started to eat less again, plus my um, doctor said, well, you know, cut out uh, processed foods just in case, you know, because we don't know what's going on, sugar is bad for you, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, okay, fine, I'll do that. That just really made me super orthorexic. Then finally, there was a diagnosis of Lyme disease or chronic Lyme disease because I was bitten by a tick at age seven and I got tick at age 21, uh, which is a very common thing, by the way. Everyone is always surprised when they hear that, but Lyme disease can be dormant. So I I was just, I mean, depressed beyond belief um so so exhausted still in a lot of pains and I I mean I've had years of this years and years and years and years of this in the meantime like I said I went in and out of clinics constantly but I felt like such a victim as well I I I I I, I really victimized myself I I thought oh you know poor me, I've had, I have this and that and the other, and I'm not like everyone else. You know, I, I I always thought in the back of my brain, I always thought as well, you know, other people are so lucky they can basically, um, recover and then go back to the gym. And I can't, and I feel, felt so jealous of that. I felt so, I don't know, so different than uh, uh, it's the typical unicorn syndrome. So fast forward to age god what was it i think 25 i think 25 20 maybe 24 25 it's, it's honestly it's hard to tell because it's it's yeah it's a long time ago um i sat on the couch and i remember saying this a couple of times again like well i feel like i've I've said this before but if i haven't here here i'm telling the story again i sat on the couch watched Je- jessica jones on netflix with my can of Diet Coke next to me, and out of nowhere, I got hit by the most insane eye pain attack. It was insane. It was, it, it's, it's even hard to explain. So this is when I, whenever I talk about my eye pain, this is basically, imagine my eye pain, but then 500 million times worse. It, I couldn't move my eyes basically. So it was like someone was pushing and pulling behind my eyes. And I couldn't move them. It was extremely painful. Um, like I said, I can't even describe it, and it made me extremely suicidal as well. And I went everywhere to every clinic, every doctor, every specialist you can imagine, and no one found out what it was. So again, I thought, here we go again. This is I. I, I mean, I am signed up for failure. I. I won't be able to recover anyways because my life is literally in the dumpster. I, I'm, I'm, I'm garbage. You know, my life is garbage. My quality of life is awful. I had no friends back in, back then. I was all by myself Well, my mom helped me out. My mom is a gem. My mom did everything for me. She moved in with me and she took care of me, but my God, that was the darkest year of my life. And, there is light at the end of the tunnel because I went the holistic route and um, that seemed to help a bit. Not not a lot, but a bit. And then also I <laughs> there were six months in between as well where I couldn't eat or chew basically because my basically the eye pain traveled to my jaw as well. So it was eye pain and jaw pain. So I did that cool thing for about a year. So it was one and a half to two years of misery. And then I would say it was a, a solid year where I really thought this is this is not worth it. Like I said, I was suicidal um, and um, I didn't do any crazy things, but my God, it was a very dark period. And um, then what was happening is that I went to this, God, this is so hard to explain. I went to this holistic, I mean, I don't even know what he did, but it was... Um, some kind of trauma-informed person, holistic, woo-woo, that kind of thing. Because my mom and I were desperate. We wanted. I, we, we didn't know what was going on. We were desperate for any help. So we went there to this guy. I will never forget it. And he said, okay, you're too symbiotic with your mom. Your relationship is too symbiotic, which, yeah, duh. That's already something we knew. So there was not nothing new there. And, um, I mean, also imagine your daughter getting so sick that she can't even... Function, of course, you want to take care of her. I would do the, the exact same thing. So uh, we had to do this exercise, and I was very underweight back then. She was; she had to lay down on me, uh, so I was laying down on the ground with my stomach on the ground, and she had to lay on me. Now, my mom is not a, uh, you know, she's she's a tiny one, and she laid on me, and I heard pop, like like this thing breaking in my chest. So. There was, I don't know, I had, I, I, I don't know, a bone broke or something. I uh, also went to the, to the I did a, a scan and all of that. And I don't even know how to explain this. But anyway, I was so fragile that I broke a bone. And my God, that was even more pain on top of the pain that I already had. So I thought, holy mother of God. You know what? If I can control one thing. And that is my food intake. I will do that, and I I will do it in the in the basically completely in the other way, and I will go the other direction, which is me stuffing my face. So, and imagine this being way before I did knew anything about Tabitha Ferrar and her vision and all of that jazz. So I just sat on the couch, stuffed my face. I mean that was that was my recovery just sitting on the couch stuffing my face listening to podcasts and continuing doing that so doing that i um had this insane mental hunger that just popped up out of nowhere my physical hunger also increased quite a lot and i also really made sure that i i had this intrinsic feeling that i thought okay well first of all it's very weird that no one ever said this was a thing so i was basically talking or thinking about neural re- rewiring without knowing that was an actual thing. But I just noticed that eating pizza for five days in a row made me not afraid of pizza anymore. So I thought, oh, that's cool. So that's how your brain works. So I just ate and ate and ate and ate and ate. And, ate, and it was also a really good distraction in hindsight Hindsight from the pain. So when I was at a healthy weight for my, you know, body type, happy, healthy weight. Um, I was strong enough to do a Lyme IV or an antibiotic IV. Now, I think that saved me. That was the first... IV I did the antibiotic IV was really 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 helpful. Uh the second one was not that much and now I'm doing ozone IV therapy, which is also not doing much, to be quite honest. But that was really, really helpful. So I did that and thank God I think everything happens for a reason. Thank God I ate my way um out of that deficit because I was able to I was strong enough to endure that antibiotic IV because no doctor wanted to put me on an IV being underweight. So I know this is maybe triggering for some people because I've been saying underweight, but yeah, I was underweight. And like I said before, you don't have to be underweight in order to have an eating disorder at all. This is just my story. This is what I experienced and it was horrible. So fast forward. Um, you know, doing all of that, I felt so free. I had no fears. I'm not kidding you. I I just literally ate my way to recovery. I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't have therapy. I didn't have a dietitian. I just did whatever my gut feeling told me to do. No pun intended. I just forklifted food to my mouth and that was it. And a lot of food. I'm talking about between 8000 and 10000 calories every single day and i didn't count calories but i was just inhaling peanut butter jars like nobody's business i was just eating everything whole pints of ice cream whole bags of crisps i had nothing to lose i think in hindsight again also that was my i mean my blessing in disguise i had nothing to lose i was at my wits end i thought you know what what do i have to lose let's just eat and see what happens so and then reaching that happy healthy weight that was suited for my body um i was i thought to myself my god it's actually not as bad as i thought it would be and then from then on honestly that's how my life started to well, just, in, just be so much better. My quality of life, I started to make new friends. I started my business. I got into a relationship. And because I felt like I missed out on so much of life, I dated up a storm. I just did everything in a short time span. I got out of my comfort zone tremendously. I said yes to everything, which also in hindsight, I was so so happy about because that made me experience new things that i never experienced before. And I was a late bloomer in so many ways. So I had to experience all those things in my mid, late 20s, I would say, in comparison to other people. So, you know, in the past, I would say five years, I've experienced most things people would experience in their, I don't know, in their teens or in their tw- beginning of 20s. And so it's also a fine, fine to be a late bloomer. So because I, I've recently shared this on my Instagram stories, that so many people of you feel like, oh but yeah, but I'm I'm too late with this, and I'm such a late bloomer. You're not alone. I I mean, so many of you and so many of us are going through the similar similar situations, and especially if you've had an eating disorder for a long, long time. So that is basically my story. So no crazy therapies in in the end. I even though I went in and out of every clinic possible, seriously, every clinic possible, it didn't help me, unfortunately. And this is not to say that eating disorder clinics or units are are unable to help you at all. I'm not saying that. Some people need that higher level of care. And in retrospect, I would have loved to talk to a recovery coach, but there weren't any recovery coaches back then. So I just did whatever felt right. And I am so happy that I had this str- strong instinct to do what was right. And that led me to where I am today. And I've never relapsed ever. I, you know, I was just, I thought, oh my God, this, this is amazing. Why haven't I done this before? And sure, I've had bad body image days, weeks, months. I've cried about my body. Absolutely. There were were times that I thought, mm, shouldn't I go back there? You know, being thin might be better. You know, my eating disorder. Well, not even my eating disorder, because I didn't have an eating disorder, but my, you know, my inner critic told me, you might be happier. And then I thought, no, fuck that. That's just such a lie. That's such a lie. It was miserable. Plus, I know that if my if I give my eating disorder one finger, it grabs the entire hand. So and then I learned about genetic predispositions, neural rewiring, all that, all that stuff, all that amazing, good stuff. And that's how I started to become a coach, basically. Because when I read Tabitha's book, Tabitha Ferrar, I'm talking about, I thought, oh my God, I literally fell off my chair. I seriously was mad, but also, I mean, I was baffled by the fact that no one really talked about that. Um, so yeah, five years ago, I started to do, run my coaching business and it's been super successful ever since. Um, because I, th- I also think she was one of the first ones that talked about the things that we've all struggled with, you know, the mental hunger, the physical hunger, um, uh, binges, feasted, feasting, all, all of that. So, yeah. And if you're not being seen and, and not being heard, that's the most, ugh, it, it that that's heartbreaking, you know, it's, it feels horrible. So that is my story guys. Um, I can go into more details, but I won't because we're going to sit here for decades. (laughs) But yeah, it was, it was a tremendous long period of time that I had an eating disorder. It was about, uh, I mean, I would say for, yeah, about a decade. Um, And, you know, hindsight is 2020, but I, my God, I wish I got that decade back. I could, you know, turn back time, but I've learned from my experiences and I am so beyond happy that I'm here right now and I'm still chronically ill. I still have chronic Lyme disease, but I, I mean, I've been, I've been recovered for so many years from my eating disorder and, you know, living the life that I always wanted to live. That's something I'm doing right now, even though I am chronically ill, it is something I can't even describe. It's, it's so worth it. It's, you know, those those extra pounds also mean that you're able to to eat with your friends freely or, you know, they reflect basically freedom. And so, yeah, my my motto and my what I want you to have as a takeaway is that it's it's I mean, it's so worth it. I've never experienced or ever talk to anyone who said, you know what? Recovery is actually shit or being recovered is shit. I really want to go back. And also last but not least, I always say, if you really hate being recovered, I'm not saying in recovery, if you hate being recovered, you can always go back. You can always go back to your eating disorder. That sounds maybe like a little bit of an oxymoron, but that's made me keep going because I thought, you know what? I can always go back if I really hate the end result. And I didn't, and I didn't. So, all right. Well, this is this is the story. Um, like not the entire story, obviously. Like I said, otherwise we're going to be here for another hour. But uh, I hope that inspired you to take the action and the things that you have to do in order to move forward. And um, yeah, I hope you're going to have a lovely end of your day. Okay, bye. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening. My goal is to help as many people as possible. And if this episode supported you in any way, the very best way to show your appreciation and support me is by screenshotting and sharing it on social media. And I would find it so cool if you could leave a review as well on any platform you're listening on. If you're looking for additional support, you can always reach me on Instagram at DanielleThenke. See you here next week.